You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. And you can need to and want to. Uh, kind of reminds me of a blood, sweat, and tears song from way back. But anyway, but you might need to. You got to know how my mind works. You might need to and want to, but you know what? You've got to decide that I will. And real growth is going to happen as, as you determine and commit. I will cooperate with God. And that's where growth is going to take place. So why don't you just go ahead and say, I will cooperate with God. And it's in that cooperating with God. That's how we're going to grow. Last week we looked in, uh, I'll just review this real quick. In order for us to grow, there's some things that must go. There's some things in our life that are blocking and hindering our growth. And uh, actually, and I may get into this a little bit next week, life is dynamic. It's not static. You can't just stay at the same place. Uh, There's constant change involved in life and in growth. And um, in this, then, there are some things that stall us and hinder us. And they won't just keep you at the same place because you're either moving forward or you're falling behind. And so it's important that we're leaning forward. So if there are some things that must go in order for you and I to grow, then we got to get those things out of the way. Last week, we said that you've got to identify those things. You're going to have to take some time and actually be introspective, look at yourself and look and say, yeah, I know that this needs to go out of my life. Second of all, you not only identify it, but you uh, notify it. I believe that you just kind of get yourself stirred up and kind of announce to that area of your life changes are coming. Third thing is you develop a holy hatred. You've got to hate it. God will deliver you from your enemies not your pets. And so we've got to stop just kind of, you know, coddling whatever this area of your life is. And we're going to have to develop a holy hatred. And the fourth thing would be this is that based on this principle, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. And so it's not so much fighting it. It's a matter of starving it. And if you starve it, then it will die. What kind of things are we talking about? We're talking about things that are dead in your life. Talking about things that the father did not plant in your life. And we're also talking about things that are kind of useless. That are eating up your time, your resources, your energy, your focus. And yet they're useless. They don't really add to your growth. Those things need to go out of your life as well. And so I pray that that's something that you're really leaning into. We've got to move out of uh, maintenance mode and get on over into growth mode. We've got to move from a place of complacency where we think and talk like, that's ah, okay. What I'm doing's enough. This, it's been fine so far. Or the idea that it, this doesn't matter. That's wrong. That's called complacency. And it's actually said that complacency kills. And so we've got to stay wide awake and fully alert and move from complacency over into urgency. Now, if we're going to have real growth and real, uh, real progress in our life, if it's going to be permanent and a real deal in our life, it's going to begin on the inside first. And then the second thing you've got to understand about this is not only starts in the inside, but real growth and real progress is going to end up being permanent. It's not a matter of me or you jumping from here to where we need to be. It's not a matter of some kind of, uh, you know, Scotty beam me up, you know, to, to suddenly get there. All it takes is small ordered steps. This should relieve every one of us here. It just takes small ordered 
steps and consistency over the long haul day by day. What you do day by day takes you to your future. And so it's not it's not the long jump. It's just small ordered steps. And as you and I will commit, I'm going to cooperate with God. You know what he will do? He will order your steps and concerning your steps, because that's what life is made up of. It's made up of steps concerning those steps. Understand this. The one step that you must make sure that you do not miss is the next one. Just the next one. Because sometimes, well, what if I get out there and, and, and it's just way far off? You can't even see that far off. You can't even make out faces that far off in your life. And so the one step that you must make sure that you do not miss is that next step. And if you'll cooperate with God, he's going to light your path. He's going to order your steps. The Holy Spirit is a sure guide and he will help you in that. And you're going to have sideshow distractions. You're going to have things vying for your attention and trying to distract you. But if you'll just focus in on, I've got to get that next step. What is the next step that I take? And that's how victory comes. And that's how growth comes. And that's how positive permanent change comes in your life. It's just small and ordered steps. You with me so far? All right. Now, spiritual growth, and that's really what we're talking about. Because remember I said that real growth and real progress, it happens on the inside first. And it's a spiritual growth. Spiritual growth, we've looked in the last few weeks, is made up of two things. So this is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is made up of, first of all, doing what the Bible says to do. Do what the Bible says to do. I know I've had you repeating a lot, but it keeps you really engaged and it helps you to retain. But why don't you go ahead and say this. Do what the Bible says to do. Okay, that's the first part of spiritual growth. The second part cannot be unhooked from this. So in all caps here, and you got to do what the Bible says to do. And does anybody remember what the next one was? There you go. Some of you got it. Walk with God. And it's got to be both. You got to do what the Bible says to do. No, no, no. Do what the Bible says to do. And walk with God. And you've got to have both. You've got to be both. You can't be some kind of scripture Nazi, you know, for everybody else. I'm doing the Bible and why aren't you? You know, and that's usually evidence they're not walking with God because you walk with God. Listen, whoever you hang out with, you become like. And if you're walking with God, you're going to be patient. You're going to be kind. You're going to be wise. Come on. Evil companions corrupt good character. And people that are all uptight and wound up and religious and rigid and got sharp edges on them. I don't think they're getting around God too much. Handling this word and getting a religious kind of, it's the rule book. You know, and we live in what is called the Bible belt. And that's what I'm afraid of. A lot of people have been belted by the Bible. And it's the wrong idea. And so what we've got to do is do what the Bible says to do. But walk with God. Walk with God. A few weeks ago, part three of this series, we actually looked at intimacy with God. Which is the foundation of walking with God. It's that intimacy with God. Uh, remember I told you he's, knock, he's standing at the door knocking. He could rip that door off the hinges. He could vaporize that door. He could just move through that door. Molecular manipulation. 
was, yeah. I'm just glad I didn't write that on the board. But you know what he chose to do? He said, I, you know, I could push my way and I could make you fear me. I could make you obey me. I could make you believe in me, but I can't make you love me. So I'm going to stand up here. I'm going to knock. And it's when you and I, I want you in my life. And you open up that door. And that's what he wants. And that's the beginning of that walking with God. But listen, it can't be once every six months or one kind of special service, a weekend away with God. It needs to be a day-by-day kind of thing, consistency that you're walking with God, intimacy with God. Today, we're going to look at doing what the Bible says to do. And I want to share a few things with you about the Bible today. Uh, Studies show that over 93%, it's like 93.6% of the United States population own at least one Bible. So there's plenty of them out there. But it's what we're doing with them. Because how many of you know there's a lot of treadmills and weight sets out there too? You know, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living. Everybody say, it's alive. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is an incredible, incredible book, but it is not just a book. And I'm going to tell you something today. You've got to get in the book. You've got to crack the book open. This is not a book that you say, oh, I read that one. No, this one is living. And it, and as we'll see in a few moments, it's God breathed. It's God inspired. And when he spoke it, it's still being heard. It's still being voiced. And sounded. So what he said is still true. When he said, let there be light. Did you know that light continues to expand at the, at the speed of light? God set that in motion and it just continues to go. And that's an important thing. God said, you better believe it. All right. But it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharp. It's surgically sharp able to get down on the inside of you in those times. I don't know if this is me or if this is God through the word of God. He'll help you to get in and divide between soul and spirit and even get down to dividing the thoughts and intents of the heart. It helps you to discern those things. A wonderful, incredible thing. And if you're a believer, I'm telling you what, you better be living with the word of God, uh, just part of your life. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, The Lord says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, um, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Bible is not just a book. It's living. It's powerful. It continues to have impact and import. And God said it will not return to him void. It's not going to come back having failed on the mission. It's going to accomplish what he sent it out to do. And it's a remarkable supernatural book. And a supernatural process took place that we even are able to hold it in our hands today. Uh, a week ago, Friday was the uh, final day of the National Leadership Forum I, I went to um, down in Lakeland. And the last speaker was President George W. Bush. And it was a real honor to be there with a living president and uh, to hear him. 
And whether you like him or not or whatever, uh, that's not what I'm talking about right now. I actually gained greater respect for him just sitting there hearing his values and what he shared. And uh, it was really, you know how relaxed he is, non-assuming, non-pretentious and part cowboy. And uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett was interviewing him and asking him things and he's sharing things. And it was just a rich time. It was an honor to hear you know, the leader of the free world for eight years, just, uh, you know, just awesome. And he loves Jesus. And he shared how he was in China and he was meeting for the first time with President Jinto, who's the, like the premier, the China, the president of China. And they're talking about great and global things. And so, suddenly President Bush just says to him, so tell me, what do you think about Jesus Christ in the Bible? And so Gento says, I have read the Bible. It's a lot like Plato. And President Bush in his cowboy way said, no, it's not. (laughs) And his point was, you need to read that thing again. And see, there's some people that have that idea. "Ah, We're going to put that on the shelf in philosophy or this or this. Listen, it's not that. No, it's not. It's, It's alive and it's powerful and you need it in your life. Now, the Bible is complete. Let me read a few things. The Bible is complete. It's not just timeless. It's timely. It's right now. It contains all the principles needed to grow and resolve personal struggles. It is the perfect and only guide to life and growth. Light is in this word. Life is in this word. I'm going to tell you what, there'll be a difference in your life when you're reading the word, letting it speak to you, than when you're not. And there's light and life, a supernatural something that takes place in your life. It is called bread. It is called meat. It is called water and milk. It's a hammer, a sword, and a fire. It's whatever God needs it to be to speak into your life. In it, we'll find not just truths and principles, but we'll also find God. Everything that fosters growth ultimately comes from God. If you find anything that's working out in the corporate world, in the business world, in the counseling world, or whatever, that out educational world, whatever is working out there, if it's truly working and affecting good progress and good change and good growth in a person's life, you can track that back to the Bible, to the Word of God. You can bring it right back there. Now, many people are working those things and they don't acknowledge or don't know that it's the Bible. But I'll tell you what, I believe it's even enhanced, it's even multiplied when you realize this Truth is from God. This truth is from God's holy word and it will affect you as well. And I believe in even greater ways. The Bible shows us what gives us life and what takes life away. You know, sometimes, like I said, with the the whole Bible belt concept, you know, we've been told what you can't do and what you're supposed to do. And, you know, and then the warnings are given and, and it just It's just a book of rules and that can kind of make you want not want to open it up. But the reality is this tells you what gives you life and this tells you what takes life away. God's not trying to steal your joy. He's not trying to ruin your fun. He's trying to show you what will give you life and what takes life away. Now, what I want to do in the next few moments here is I want to show you five uses for the Bible, five uses for the Bible. We're going to read out of uh, 2 Timothy, and we'll have this on the screen for you. Four of these I'll pull from 2 Timothy. This is all Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. 
It means it's useful. It, it will bring advantage to you. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the first use of the Bible that we're going to look at today is for teaching. Teaching. Now let me go ahead and write teaching. Teaching. Everybody say teaching. This helps us to understand. There's some things that we, you know, real teaching has not taken place until somebody understands something. I had teachers in school that never brought me to a place of understanding. And I do an orientation for our teachers at the academy every year. And my message is always the same to them pretty much. And uh, it's this, that there's three kinds of teachers. There's the teachers that you loved. There's the teachers that you hated. And there's teachers you can't even remember. And everything is about impact and hopefully positive impact. And when we're taught something, it helps us to understand. Helps us to understand. And through the teaching that comes from the word of God, we begin to understand something. And nobody else can give you that insight except God. And the truths that are in his word, the light that comes from his word that helps you to understand how all this really, really works and who God is and who you are and where you came from and and how what God's plans and purposes are, what real truth is, how he relates to us, how he wants us to relate with him, how to get a right worldview. So that again, we understand how all this works. It gives us structure to know God. It helps us to conduct our lives. This is where we get our doctrine. This is where we get our values. This is where we get our principles for life. And real growth and real progress in life come, get this, from living God's way. We've had a little saying around here for for a long, long time. And it says there's two ways to do anything. God's way and any other way. And if you're new to that, let me share it with you again. There's only two ways to do anything. God's way in any other way. And what the Bible does, it teaches us God's way. And God's way is perfect. Proverbs 18, uh, uh, Psalms 18, verse 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. It's perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Secondly, is reproof. Reproof. That's not a word that we use a whole lot. But reproof, let let me put it to you this way. We all stray sometimes. All right, let me do it again. We all stray sometimes. We all rebel sometimes. We we get self-centered sometimes. We do. And you know what the Bible does? It confronts that. It just comes and confronts it. And this keeps us in check because the reproof of Scripture. It comes and it shows us, can't do that. That should not be a part of your life. Or you really need to start doing this. And when we stray and when we rebel and we get self-centered, Scripture comes and confronts us. And you know what? That's the sign of true love that you would actually tell somebody, no, the bridge is out or it's going to hurt you if you do that. And so it gives us reproof. 
If you get prideful and you stay in the word of God, you're going to run across things such as a parable that Jesus taught about a tax collector and a Pharisee. And they went down to the temple to pray. And the one with uh, 36 words, I think it is, talked about how wonderful he was and all the things he had done. And that was the Pharisee. And then you got the little tax collector and he said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one of those guys do you think left that place justified on that day? Not Mr. 36 words, Mr. Seven words, who humbled himself. And then he goes on to say this, listen to this. He went on to say this, if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. But if you'll humble yourself, you'll be exalted. And if you're dealing with stuff and you're reading along in scripture and suddenly scripture will confront you. You know, the Proverbs even tells us, don't praise yourself. If you've done something good, let somebody else praise you, but not your own mouth, not your own lips. And if you're going along, you've been talking about, man, I'm awesome and you should see me. And, woo. and then you read in scripture and your next thing should be, well, shut my mouth. And do this too. Don't read the Bible for others. Some people read the Bible. I'll tell you what, who needs that verse? Man alive, I'm going to email that today. (laughs) And they're reading the Bible for everybody else and not for themselves. And you just need to let scripture confront you. There's a time where Paul even confronted the Corinthian church. And he said, you know what? You're withholding love from us. You need to just open your heart. And there are times where we realize, you know what? I just need to open up my heart so that God's love can really flow, flow through me. And whatever's going on, I'll tell you what. If you'll subject yourself to the scripture, it will confront you. And it's a wonderful, healing, helpful thing. And it will help you to grow as scripture confronts you. And let me remind you, the Holy Spirit can take any kind of scripture and meet you anywhere at any time. You may be at a place and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's whispering in your heart. And you're going, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here, Holy Spirit. And he can just bring something as part of his ministry is to bring things back to your memory. Reproof. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Thirdly, scripture will correct us. Everybody say correct. Scripture will correct us. Now, this is a little different than reproof. This actually has to do with straightening up or straightening out. And this is error in our life that is really because of ignorance or we're a lack of awareness. This is not rebellion. This is just, I'm doing something wrong. It's a mistake or I didn't know how to do it better. These are things that are going to help us in our character and and so forth. It's kind of like if if you're playing golf and you have bad technique, you're doing something wrong. And then somebody comes along and helps you or you go to a golf pro and you get a lesson or whatever. And they show you what they do is they correct you. They don't call you bad names. They don't get mad at you. Because it's something you didn't know. This is, this is something, you know, that's, that just needs fixed. It's technique. And the scripture will come and say, no, 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 no. I know you had it modeled wrong your whole life. I know you've seen it done this way or you didn't know this. But no, no, this is the way you treat people. This is the way you treat women. This is the way you treat children. This is the way you respond to authority. This is the way you're generous. And it'll come along and, and it will correct you on that. I went 
and played golf on Friday. I haven't played golf since who knows when. And when, when your golf game gets to the level of my game, you can lay off a year or two and it'll stay right at that same level. And so, but I, I went, John Bullington and Pastor John and Pastor Mike, we went out and uh, two of that group go for fun. The other two are so serious. And they have pastor in front of their name. But, uh, um, but Pastor Mike, Pastor John, they're, they're, they're good golfers. And John, good golfers. And, and Pastor Mike said that I was slicing. I thought, hey, just so it goes high and far, I don't care. Look at that. It's just hard. But he showed me some things just to change some technique, a little exercise I could do before I hit the ball. And it took me a while to kind of get used to it. But you know what it was? It was actually this form of correction. And once I kind of let it, let it happen in my life, suddenly I was no longer slicing. What was I doing? I was hooking. <laughs> oh, that sounded bad. But uh, uh, but more importantly, at times I was going straight. And it's like, yeah. And it's because of a little adjustment that would come. Wasn't that I was rebelling and purposely trying to, you know, do this or that. And that's what the scripture comes. It comes and it helps us in that way. Are y'all still here? And then training. Just a few more minutes. Training. Everybody say training. And it's training in righteousness. And what righteousness is God's way of doing things. And it's training. A lot of times we say, we, we look at somebody and we say, they need counseling. Well, technically what they don't need is counseling. Technically what they need is training. They never had training. Technically what counseling should be is to remind you of your training. But unfortunately in our day and age, there's so many people without training of how to live and how to treat people and so forth. And that's why we've got to have training in doing things God's way. And that's what the scripture helps us to do. Without the Bible, we, we really wouldn't know what is right and wrong. We really wouldn't know how much God loves us. We wouldn't know his plan. We wouldn't know his purposes. It's so important that we have training. And then number five is comfort. Everybody say comfort. And strength. Can you say strength? All right. Comfort and strength. We'll believe God will have a break in the weather here in just a few moments and we'll get you gone here. And if you're worrying about if you closed your windows or your sunroof, it's too late. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Comfort and strength. Encouragement and support. We cannot tolerate pain and struggle. No one can tolerate pain and struggle for very long without some kind of comfort. At some point, you've got to have some relief. You've got to have some encouragement. You've got to have some kind of support. And, and what scripture does, it comes in and it comforts us. Several places in scripture, it talks about the fact. For, for example, in uh, Psalm 119 verse 52, it says, I remembered your judgments or your word of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Paul talked about in Romans chapter 15, in the patience and the comfort of scripture and just reading the scripture. Listen to me. Some of your days you need to end by just reading comfort scriptures. I don't know what they are. Get into the Psalms. You can even, and you couldn't do this 10 years ago, but guess what you can do? You can Google. Come on, you can Google and you could just Google comfort scriptures. 
Thank God for the access to, to so many things. And, and read the comfort of the scripture. Sometimes I get comfort just by looking at some of the Bible characters. And realizing they went through stuff. And they had hard times and they did this. Or to see their perseverance or their boldness or their faith or whatever it would be. I get comfort out of that and it strengthens us. Scripture also, and I'm just going to take just a moment on this. It's a, a powerful weapon. Ephesians six seventeen says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, and throughout scripture, the word is refer, referred to as a sword. Get this. When you put it in your mouth. Now I'm not talking about chewing on your Bible. But when the word of God is in your heart and in your mouth. It becomes a sword. And there's a lot of scripture that goes along with that. Jesus being tempted of the devil in the wilderness. Pulled out the sword. Because he said it is written. And he didn't turn real quick. It is written. Hang on. And thumb through. And they did not have Google yet. And he was able to turn around and use an appropriate scripture and use it as a sword and to bring strength to that situation and to bring victory. Listen, if you have lack of truth and lack of light in your, in, in your life regarding the Bible, it empowers the devil. I hope you heard me. When you have lack of light and lack of truth, lack of God's word, it actually empowers the enemy. The strength of the oppressor is the ignorance of the oppressed. The strength of the oppressor is the ignorance of the oppressed. And once you get into the light and the truth and you realize you cannot do that to me. Jesus has conquered you. This belongs to me. I don't have to put up with that. And you get a hold of who you are, what you have, what you can do in God and what he's paid a dear price for you. Listen, he's paid such a dear price for you. He's not going to leave you behind. He's going to help you. And the more you know that of scripture, the more strong that you're going to be in times of trouble. Now, before I close here this morning, we have a huge, huge problem in our culture. And it's called scriptural illiteracy. Scriptural illiteracy. People have Bibles. Over 93% of the American, the United States population have Bibles, more than one Bibles. How many of you have more than one Bible? And we've got Bibles galore. We've got them in our glove box and we've got them everywhere else. And we've got huge ones on our coffee table. And the thing is, I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago. Don't put anything on that Bible. We don't read it, but we respect it. And what we've got to do is get back to a place where we actually know the Bible. And a huge problem is scriptural illiteracy. Let me share a couple of things with you from several uh, studies, Gallup poll and a Barna research uh, poll. More people know the names of the Brady Bunch than the 12 apostles or the 10 commandments. 12% believe that Joan of Arc is Noah's wife. Over 50% do not know that Isaiah is in the Old Testament. 10% think that Moses is an apostle, that Cain and Abel were friends of Jesus. And on a fill in the blank, and on the first day of creation, God said, let there be, and 11% said, let there be peace. And people, you know, those things, maybe those don't matter so much, but I'll tell you what, your baby's burning a fever, 
Your job's in jeopardy. Your back is against the wall. You got a bad doctor's report. Hell has come to your house. Whatever it would be, you don't really need to know who the disciples are. You certainly don't need to know who the Brady Bunch are. But at that point, you better have something that you can pick up that is comfort and that is strength and that will help you get through this situation. Because God's word, hold on one sec. God's word is God speaking to you. God's word is God speaking to you. It's not just a religious book. It's not some kind of icon or, or just sim, symbolic kind of thing. This is God speaking to you. And listen to your pastor. You're going to have to get into the word. You're going to have to have regular, regular, daily intake of and exposure to the word of God. There's light and life and comfort and courage that you're going to get from this that you won't get if you leave it closed. And it's not a book that you can say, I read it one time and I got it on the shelf. It's a lot like Plato. No, it's not. You've got to know that this is God speaking to you. And on a day-to-day basis, I need to hear him. I need to hear him. Get into the word and get the word into your life. Let me just wrap up with this this morning. Pastor John, if you'll come. Get a reputable, readable Bible. Hear me. Get a reputable, readable Bible. Make it your prized possession and then go wear it out. I'm going to say it again. Get a reputable, readable Bible. Make it your prized possession and wear it out. There's another problem that goes along with scriptural illiteracy, and it's this. Conspiracy of interruptions. Things designed to keep you out of the Bible. Guess who's behind that? The enemy of your soul. And if you'll back up 10 feet and look at it, you'll realize that he gives you a list of lame excuses to keep you from really, really living. I'm tired. I fall asleep. I, I was abused when they were reading. You know, we go into all kinds of stuff and we need to just get back to the Bible. And we need to get rid of the lame excuses. Find you a reputable, readable Bible and wear it out. This Bible right here I use most of the time. This version, New King James Version. I grew up on King James and I love the King James but I have a hard time with the these and the thoueth and the whereforeth. Okay. So new King James, new living translation, especially second edition. The message Bible is a wonderful readable Bible. The new international, the amplified Bible. These are Bibles. Listen, the excuses are gone. You can go online You say, I can't afford a Bible. Ha! Got you covered. Because we got Bibles. You don't have a Bible. Now, don't abuse me on this. But you don't have a Bible. Get you a Bible on the way out. We got carts at at the doors. We want you to have a Bible. Plus, well, I don't want to take your Bible. Wouldn't be right to take it. Ah, got you covered. Go online. Bible Gateway. You can also go to Blue Letter Bible. I mean, there's so many things out there. And you can get all kinds of translations and comparative readings so that you can get into the Bible. And you need to because we're not to be living this life on our own. And we need to have the Bible in our life. Let me read to you two passages real quick and then we're going to get out of here. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, 17 in the New Living. Listen to it carefully. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. 
It straightens us out and teaches us what is right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. And listen to it in the message. Every part of scripture is God breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes and training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. God's word is God speaking to you. And no matter what you got going on in life, God does have something to say. Let's make sure that we're listening. Amen. Do you get anything at all out of this this morning? All right.